welcome back to another episode of TV That Made Us. This is our fourth episode and I'm so excited because it's our Halloween special. So here we go. A Year Fruit of the Dark was a Canadian horror storytelling series that was made popular in the 90s and early 2000s. When the American children's channel Nickelodeon bought it, the show actually did a reboot during 1999-2000. The series revolved around a group of friends that called themselves the Midnight Society. They gathered at an unknown location in the woods. During each episode, one of the members would tell a horror story. As they recount each one, the audience is presented with a dramatization of each one, sometimes by young actors like Tia and Tamara, Melissa Youngheart, Ryan Gosling, and even, of course, some of the members of the Midnight Society were people like Joanna Garcia. So they all got a start in this show. These creepy tales that haunt us to this day because the horrors aren't always monsters or vengeful ghosts, but more psychological ones like the fear of darkness, loneliness, rejection, the loss of a friend, or even your face. Here to talk more about these spooky episodes is another 90s kid's Eva. You might remember her from my other podcast, Mixing Up with Maggie, where last year we did a storytelling series entitled Scary Stories from Latin America, and Ava told us a story about her uncle and a horrific night he spent in Honduras. I'll link it down below for you guys. So, Ava, how are you doing today? Pretty good. I'm pretty good. I feel like every time we see each other, it's always like around Halloween. Like, we just have like a Halloween thing going. Are you ready to talk about this show? Oh, yeah. Ava, I don't know about you, but I love Halloween, scary movies, and witches. And on top of that, I was a Nick, a Nick's kid. So, of course, I loved A Year Fit of the Dark. Um, I love the storytelling aspect of it. And I even wanted to be part of the Midnight Society myself. Some of my favorite episodes are the tale of Apartment 214 with a creepy old lady who wanted some company at all costs. The tale of the doll maker. Um, I don't even like Porcelain Doll, and that one freaked me out even more. Um, and of course, um, the one that I'm going to talk about today is The Tale of Many Faces. What about you? Well, I'm just like you. I love all that spooky stuff. I love it all. And same here with uh, You're Fit of the Dark. I love that show so much. There's so many good episodes, so many of them. The one I'm going to talk about today is uh, Dead Men's Float. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love masks. You put one on, and it changes who you are. You can be goofy. You don't need a mask for that. Or glamorous. Dreaming. Or mysterious. Mysterious? Got any masks that'll make you look taller? No, but I have one that might make you sick. <laughs> I like those clear masks that change your face just a little bit. Way creepy. The thing about masks is that they let you be whatever you want to be. Underneath, you're still you, but no one can tell because they can't see behind the mask. My story is about the horror of losing what's behind the mask. Huh? Behind every mask is the one thing that makes you different from everyone else, your personality. But if you lose it, no one would know you, no one would care, you'd be all alone and forgotten. 
submitted for the approval of the Midnight Society, I call this story. The Tale of Many Faces. Emma, a young girl trying to model for a photographer, gets passed over for her friend Jessie. Discouraged, Emma meets a strange lady named Madame Visage, who makes her feel better by letting her know that she has a perfect face for theater. She tells her to pass by her place and meet her about being part of this theater group. When she arrives, she receives a special powder that Madame tells her to put on as often as possible. This powder will make her face glow. The next day, Emma becomes irresistible to the photographer and even becomes the face of the campaign. Back in Madame's house, her true motives are known as the face powder acted like a magical transfer used by Madame to collect faces. With one touch, she takes Emma's face and other faceless young women living with her. Let Emma know that from now on, she has no name. Her number is 94 and she is given a mask to hide her disfigurement. Eventually, Emma convinces all of the other young women what matter is what's behind the mask, your personality, and she encourages all of them to use their name. Her courage to confront Madame comes just in time to save her friend Jessie, who had came into the house looking for that special powder to make her face glow. Emma finds an old book with an old woman's face in it. With the help of the other girls, she touches Madame's powdered face and then touches the old woman's face on the book. This transfers the old woman's face onto Madame, revealing her true self. In doing so, Madame is vanquished, and all of the girls' faces are returned. All right, Ava, so I remember this being my favorite episode of the series, and it came a little later um, than all the other episodes that we've that we will probably discuss um but one of the things that i love most about this one is that first of all i'm, I'm afraid of masks i hate masks i do but i'm also intrigued by them and actually when i went to venice i picked up two masks because you know that they do um i think during february they have a celebration um i forgot the name of it but it's when they they put on masks and it um and during the episode one of the young ladies um that was telling the story she mentions you know when you put one on, it changes who you are. Behind every mask is what makes you different, your personality. This story is about losing what's behind the masks. So what do you think about masks? Creepy or cool? I think they're cool. I think they're creepy, but that's why I think they're cool. Actually, when I watch a horror movie or a horror show and there's someone with a mask, like Halloween or uh, Jason, I actually, those, those movies creep me out more than something like Fear on Elm Street or Nightmare on Elm Street, um, just because I like I if I feel like if I can't see your face I don't know who you like it really really freaks me out. I can understand that being creepy because when I when I do watch those movies I see that you know these guys are killing people and I want to see their expression. Are they smiling? Are they even more angry? Are they like neutral? Like. I want to see what's going on. I want to see if their actions match their face, you know? 
it's kind of like you know in psycho for example like american psycho we see all of the expression we see when he's happy and he's killing and we see when he's angry and he's killing um so and we can say okay this is a true psychopath but when you don't know people's expressions you don't know what their intentions are or even if they're feeling anything um so um there's something in this episode too when when one of the young women she says you know it's kind of like taking away it's, it's taking away your expression like you don't know what someone's feeling um and i thought that, that was that was very interesting and the other reason why i loved it was because um i think as a teenager the audience for this show right are probably tweens to or you know early early teenagers um a lot of young women suffer from a lot of like self-esteem issues you know watch like seeing um girls on um on magazines and seeing that they're not like them um so a lot of self self loathing i guess happens and at the beginning of this episode we see the young woman going through that like oh i don't have that face and the photographer letting her letting her know the same thing yeah i mean i could i could see that too in that episode um even for today like if someone watches that someone like a younger generation sees that they're going to recognize that right away too yeah i think if this episode was done today it would be slightly different it might not be like a, a magazine campaign but it might be like an instagram thing you know and um and and but it but it, i want to say that a lot of the episodes from um a year fit of the dark actually holds up today even though it was like a 90s show they did a really good job they, it, they were all really well written and even though some of them you know um had like you know silly effects or whatnot i felt like like I said, like the, 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 the true fear of the show, it wasn't the monsters, you know, it was something like this, like losing your personality or losing your, your face or um, not being good enough, right? Like the young woman at the very beginning, not being good enough to be part of this, you know, or not being beautiful, right? Um, what did you think about, I remember we, we talked a little bit before we started recording um, we spoke about the powder and like maybe that's kind of like a little bit a hint to like the cosmetic industry. Um, a lot of like these powders and creams and lotions being geared towards young women, especially if you don't if you don't know. In a lot of countries, they actually have this like whitening cream that they right because they they often you know portray you know the lighter you are, the more beautiful you are. Oh yeah. Well, first of all, she should have gone to Mac. <laughs> <laughs> and I know it was Mac back then. So. Um, yeah, that's very symbolic. That that powder is very symbolic, definitely. Um, look at the makeup industry today. Ooh, billions billions of dollars. There's more companies now than there were in the 90s, cosmetic companies. Um, but yeah, I think that's the way it starts, you know? A little bit of makeup and then you go down this path where it's like oh let me see what else I can change yeah and it's like after she put that powder on um, the, everybody was like oh my god your face is glowing and like you're beautiful after you wore the makeup like you're you're socially acceptable now because you're wearing makeup um, when I was younger I remember I was really I really wanted to be into makeup just because I had really dark circles underneath my eye and I was actually very self-conscious about that um, but mines are very, they're natural, like my mom has it, so they're, they're hereditary. There's nothing I can do about it, to be honest. Um, but my face, I'm, I have very sensitive skin, and what happens is that um, I actually ended up having to quit using most of the makeup that I, that I used before. And now I literally just put, like, 
you know, a bunch of oils on my face and that's about it. Like I don't put anything else. But it's kind of crazy that when I was working, and especially if you work in a corporate setting, um, there was a few days where, you know, I would wear makeup and then if there was a day that I wouldn't, people would be like, are you okay? Are you tired? Did you did you party last night? Like, you know, what's going on? And it was just because they, they were not accustomed to, to my face. What about you? Do you wear a lot of makeup? I do. I do. Not today, but I do. I love makeup. I love makeup. Um... I even went through a phase where I wanted to be a makeup artist. Yeah, that was a few years ago, and then everybody started doing that. I'm like, no, no. But yeah, I do like makeup. Um, I don't. As I wish I can do the um, outrageous looks that you see on Instagram. I wish I can do that. I, that's how much I love makeup. Um, but I, I mean, you sh I usually do an everyday look. Um, th as a matter of fact, there are things that I cannot walk out the house without doing uh, like my eyebrows and lipstick not today of course but every other day it's eyebrows and lipstick I cannot walk out the house without them what do you think I think now there's like such a big backlash towards like people that wear a lot of makeup I don't know if you know um, it started off when like um, somebody like Alicia Keys she was like I refuse to wear makeup ever again and then people were like saying oh well why and she was like no well like natural beauty is the beauty you know but I think both of them whether it is wear makeup or natural beauty they're both kind of like pressure like peer pressure to to fit into a mold that not everybody fits in definitely I don't and I don't get the big deal like oh, Alicia Keys has beautiful skin um I've seen her with makeup she looks beautiful without it she looks beautiful um but I don't get it. Like I, I never, I never look at a woman or a man and judge. Oh, he or she is this, or he or she looks like this because they're not wearing makeup or they're wearing too much makeup. No, I, I don't. If you have skills and you know how to do certain looks with makeup, awesome. If you don't, I'm not gonna judge you negatively for that. No, I don't. It's not something I look at and go and judge. I think um, other celebrities, how they responded to it, and especially like makeup artists who see this more of a, as an art, as the you know your face being as a canvas, their response were more like, hey, you know, it's not like you're, you know, you're hiding behind makeup. It's more makeup is if you're doing it right, you are emphasizing something that you already have. So I think that that's where makeup plays like that that role. Um, and one of the last things I want to um, quickly mention about this episode, um, well, two things actually. One was that, um, I don't know if you remember, but her friend, Jessie, the one who was like the, the beautiful one, um, she was actually supportive of Emma. She wasn't like a catty person that was like, oh, you know, uh, whatever, like I, you know, you, you're ugly or whatever. She was actually very encouraging when Emma was, you know, um, at the beginning of the episode, she was kind of like self-deprecating, like, oh, no, I don't have that beautiful face or blah, blah, blah. She was like, you'll get the next one. Like, you're beautiful anyways. And um, when she returned and the photographer, like, was it, so impressed by her after she put in that, quote, unquote, glowing powder, um, instead of being resentful, um, Emma was a little bit suspicious, obviously, because she, she just came in the next day and she kind of blew everybody away. Um, but she actually said congratulations and she gave her a hug and... I mean, obviously she wanted to, I, I mean, Jesse, but like, I obviously she wanted to go and check out this Madame for herself, but I like that this episode, the girls worked together. Um, and even when um, they, 
yeah, she was a good friend. Um, it wasn't like the cattiness that we expect. Um, and the next thing that I was going to say was that how great, and I think this is one of my favorite episodes because it was kind of like very dystopian to have a society, if you think about it, inside that little apartment area where she was, right? It was like a little school. It looked like a little school where she was, the madame. Um, it was kind of dystopian because everybody looked the same, right? Everybody had the exact same mask, the exact same uniform, and everybody was defined by a number and not a name. So it reminded me of like our favorite like dystopian movies and and uh, and TV, kind of like The Handmaid's Tale, um, and then also books like these young YA books that have to do with dystopia. Like this is where I mean, that, this is where it comes from. But like, I love that this was in like put into this episode, and this was like back then and. Um, yeah, and how? I mean, the just just the fact that they did it and it was done in like a twenty-two minute episode. Like they were able to put in so much, and that's what Are You Afraid of the Dark does, you guys. Like if you guys haven't seen, I hope like everybody that's listening has seen the show. But if by any chance you encounter this podcast and you have not seen it, you have to go right now and you have to watch it. Click off and go watch the show. A lot of people don't like the way I am. It always told me I gotta clean up my act. But sometimes things are the way they are for a reason. And if you go making changes that shouldn't be made, you could end up with a whole mess of trouble. Submitted for the approval of the Midnight Society, I call this story. The tale. The dead man's float. We start off with an accident back in the 1980s. A young boy gets sucked in a pool by a mysterious force. The lifeguard on duty, feeling responsible, tries to warn everyone, but no one believes him until two other victims are taken and the pool is officially closed. In present day, the pool sits abandoned in a secret location inside a high school. When a young chemistry nerd named Zeke offers to tutor the cool swimmer, Clarice, she offers to teach him how to swim in return. He shows her the hidden pool inside the school, and she petitions for the administration to reopen it. Much to the dismay of the janitor, whom we discover is the same lifeguard from years ago, afraid of the water, Zeke fears the unknown. At this point, the unknown and very stinky force pulls in Clarice and she is rescued by the janitor. After he tells Clarice and Zeke the story, he mentioned the school is built on the sacred grounds and believes that a ghost or spirit of one of the dead is responsible for these attacks. Zeke, being a science guy, takes iodine in order to uncover what exactly is underneath the water. To the surprise of the students, the janitor, and basically the entire audience, the water turns red and forms a terrifying skeleton-like creature. What's worse is that he's made of water, able to travel and materialize anywhere. Clarice, remembering the little science that Zeke had taught her, uses another chemical to create an explosion in the water, vanishing the creature Forever. Ava, this is this is your episode. I picked this episode um, mostly because of the monster. 
it's i think iconic i remember seeing this monster too in a lot of the nickelodeon commercials whenever they would talk about this show so it was definitely an episode where they had a very iconic creature it's supposed to be like the most visually striking horrifying out of all the other episodes of the series this one is the, the most visually like 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 what i mentioned like even the audience like we were surprised as to this monster one of the things that I really, I mean, to be honest, I don't swim. Do you swim? Oh, yeah, definitely. I'm like afraid of the water. You know what? Um, I am too. I am too. But I still like to swim uh, in pools, in lakes, in beaches. And, I, and I'm and i going to be honest, I swim in fear. I do. Like when I'm in the water swimming around, I fear. I'm, I am in fear. But I enjoy it. I don't know. I'm weird like that. That's so <laughs> weird. But, you know, I feel like maybe you have like good survival instinct because for me, to be honest, I I don't in, I, I mean I I kind of enjoy it a little bit, but I'm a lot more like Sleek than I am Clarice. Like I I'm, I will be the one. He couldn't even put his hand inside the water. He was like, "There's something underneath." And I remember that he um, also something that I forgot to mention was that he actually mentions that he had like a little bit of a traumatizing experience yeah. when he was a child. So like trauma actually like persisted. And even at the very end of the episode, he says that he doesn't go in the water. Like he, he lets Clarice do the swimming and he reads the books, which brings me to one of my favorite parts of the episode, which was like this gender dynamic, like how the young boy was the one who, you know, was the the nerdy type, who the nerdy guy who um, really liked this more athletic girl. And then I love the fact that she was the one who saved the day. Like she used the little science that she knew from him to save the day um what was your favorite part of the episode i like um you know what i like the same part the end where she's like i got it like when she had the idea to to defeat him the monster that is um because everyone was in panic and like oh my god the monster's coming even zeke who is the brainiac but then her like being uh just having that moment of, of like the aha moment you know she got the courage and um she remembered what she was taught uh, from Zeke and how to defeat this creature. So I like that part too. It was kind of like fantasy meets sci-fi because the science was the thing that not only discovered what the monster was, like he was like, okay, well, it can't be this unknown force. Remember, because I remember the even the the janitor, when he saw the, like he didn't see the creature, he just saw something in the water. He just started to panic himself. Um, and I guess, again, this is like the whole like bringing back trauma because he was the one who couldn't save the young boy um, years before. Um, yeah, Charlie, uh, the janitor, um, he, no one, no, one fig no one could figure out what it was. And then Zeke was the one who was like, well, let's put iodine in the water. Like, let's, let's see it visually. And then that's when this thing came out. Um, one of the things that we were talking about before we started recording that you were very intrigued by was the fact that we learn later on that the reason why there's a this monster underneath the pool is because the school was built on sacred ground when i was a kid i don't know if it's just because i didn't i wasn't paying attention to this part or it just didn't click i know that with a lot of um monster stories there is an origin so i was when i was little watching this i was a bit confused also because I was wondering, where did this monster come from? And I forgot about that detail, that it was um, built under a place where the dead are. I forgot about that detail. You know, with every episode from the show, I got it. I know where these creatures, these monsters, 
whatever spooky thing was happening, I know where they were coming from. But this monster, I didn't know, which also added to my fear, which also added to my likeness of this episode because I didn't know where this monster was coming from. So um, that was an interesting uh, detail too. Going back to like how scary this one was, we've seen ghosts in other episodes. Yeah. Um, one of your favorite episodes too that we um, we didn't really get to mention uh, was the tale of the dream girl. Yeah. Um, and I another episode that I really enjoyed was um, the tale of the frozen ghosts and things like that, where the ghosts were portrayed in this kind of glowy light. And they were transparent and things like that. So we were expecting that if somebody was dead, there would be a ghost. But I think because this was infused with science and they and he like threw in the iodine, it was like the whole skeleton thing coming out. And it looked kind of like a I don't know, it looked like a pirate to me, but it did. I, I got that vibe yeah. too. When I saw it, I'm like, this is a dead pirate. And then one of the things that um Charlie mentioned was like, oh, maybe some you know this dead person didn't like the fact that you know the school was built in the sacred ground and was kind of like disturbed by it which i think i mean we've seen movies like poltergeist and other ones that where that has happened um i don't know like i i don't i don't know if i believe that that like that has like some sort of negative energy like in real life like building something on, on like what you consider to be sacred ground. If you think about it, if you're if you're a kid and you're watching, um, I believe that you're going to to think about it and say, okay, what is what is the you know why why is it that you know some people are against building something there, um, or why is it that people really sometimes don't really care and they want to you know be more of like modernity and like you know take apart whatever was there and build something anew without or like without fearing the repercussions of it without fearing what was there before, like who lived there before. Um, you know, if we want to put it in like more modern and more realistic context, I think about like gentrification, like taking over a town or taking over a whole street and like destroying what was there and building anew. Oh, you're going into deep waters there, Maggie. It could mean a lot of things. Um, some people are just superstitious. Some people feel like, oh, you know, don't disrespect the dead like that. They're, there is uh, someone laying there to rest that once was a person. Um, and it's also spiritual. Um, there are spirits in that particular spot roaming and building something there is disturbing them, it's disturbing their energy. Um, what else I can say about that? Um, I think yeah, it all deals with like respect. And then the people that don't care, they're not superstitious or they're not spiritual. They don't believe in, in spirits like that. Um, so it just, it's very, it's an individual kind of thing, you know? But let's not forget, this was the episode that brought science into the whole mix. And it kind of, it kind of made like science the triumphant thing that would beat out superstitious slash like fantastical creatures, if you think about it. Do you like the fact that like science saves the day or did you want it something a little bit more magical to have happened in the episode because I, I know that you like other ones. For example, again, going by like Dream Girl and other ones where like, I don't know, I feel like the ghosts were a little bit, granted the ghosts were a little bit more peaceful, but there was much more mysticism. Even the one that I just spoke about with the Tale of Many Faces, we had like a witch, this like, you know, 300 year old witch. So it was more like fantastical and horror in that sense. And this one was just like, science to the rescue. <laughs> Well, see, that's why I love this show, because they wanted to try something different. And they did, and it was successful. I love it. I, I, 
I love science. I like science. I have a geeky side to me. Um, so this was a, a like a new twist, you know. You you have to also take into account your your audience. All kids are watching this. The athletic kid, the geeky kid, the dork, the jock, the popular. A lot of kids are watching it, so they want to identify themselves with the characters too. So you know that that's another reason why I like that science one in this in this episode. Plays a lot because. The athletic girl, for example, wasn't always athletic. Like she used her brain at the end, and then the geeky kid actually was like courageous enough to go and, and get her when he was at the in the water. Um, so it kind of put those kind of, you know, not only gender but also like those categories of people that we put people in a box. It kind of dismantled that. And was like, you know, you just you have to be brave and think. And one of the other things that I really enjoyed, similarly to all the episodes, because obviously this is a kids show, so the kids need to be the hero, um, was that like the older man um, panicked um, and couldn't save the day, and he had to kind of be saved by two teenagers. I like how I like how the beginning, you know, it was like, um, okay, we're gonna talk about something spooky for Halloween, and we have to talk about are you afraid of the dark? And it's still, to me, it's still kind of creepy and spooky. But I think, like, when you really sit down and now as an adult, like, looking back at it, the more horrific ones or the the ones that still creep me out the most are the ones that deal with, like, real life things. Like, for example, like, the fear of water and, like, and fear of the unknown, obviously. As an adult, that fear can still um, drive you crazy. I mean, I don't even want to touch the ones on clowns just because I'm like, I'm like super creeped out just even thinking about them. But I want to say thank you, Eva, for um, coming and um, spending um, this little time with me talking about one of our favorite shows. This is definitely a special buy and um, and talking Are You Afraid of the Dark with me. I, 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 I definitely um, want to keep doing these shows where we talk about television and what we think about them now as opposed to when we were kids. And this was definitely one of the shows that made us. Another, it was a pleasure, Maggie. Then handle a shower.